Hi, I'm Liz from Liz Gets Loaded. That's the money kind of loaded, but this is the show where I sit in my closet, drink wine, and talk about money and anxiety. I have both. Hey, hi, hello. A quick disclaimer before I get into it today. Two reasons you might not want to listen to today's episode. Number one, I'm going to be talking about drinking and addiction. And I know, I mean, literally the name of the podcast is Let's Exploded. And I always say that I'm sitting in my closet drinking wine. Most of the time I am drinking wine. Sometimes I'm not. But tonight I'm not drinking wine. I had a margarita at dinner. (laughs) Anyways, no, my point though is that this whole episode is going to be about drinking and a little bit about addiction. And so, if you, if it's not a good idea for you to listen to me talk about that for a while, then you can skip this one. The second reason you might want to skip is I've been talking lately about trying to avoid negativity and snarkiness and what I call scoff casting, where the whole point of a podcast is for someone to talk about something they don't like. And I'm going to talk about a book that I did not enjoy. And I mean, I think it's like a fair assessment, but I might come across as a little bit snarky. So those are my two things. If you are okay with both of those things and off we go. Okay. So I actually think about drinking and alcohol, not infrequently. And I think not infrequently about if drinking is something that I should do or not. And I read a book that's the the purpose of the book is to convince you to not drink. And that's what I want to talk about. A little bit of background on me. I really like drinking. (laughs) And spoiler alert, I'm not going to stop today. I actually always thought though, that I would be a person who at some point would stop drinking alcohol entirely. It just feels like my personality. Now, as things stand today, I would actually describe myself as like a moderate to moderate slash heavy drinker. I wouldn't describe myself as a heavy drinker full stop. Let me just tell you, most nights I have two drinks. It is common for me to also have one drink per night. Occasionally I have zero and occasionally I have three, but zero and three do not happen often. It's most of the time two and sometimes one. Yesterday was only one. Tonight we went out to dinner. I had one and now I'm podcasting. So maybe I'll have one more after this or I might not. I might just go to bed. Also about me, I want to tell you three things. One, that's how much I drink now. Number two, I was a late start. I was a late bloomer when I came to drinking. I did not drink at all. Not even one drop. Actually, that's not true. I had a sip of champagne at a wedding when I was 17 or 18. But other than that, not a drop until I was, I think almost 20. I just never really started. And then I don't know. I didn't really see the point of it. And and then junior year of college, I just ordered a beer and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> and then and then uh, and then some some bad habits started <laughs> started forming from there. But the third thing about me and drinking is that I always assumed that at some point I would just be like, no, I don't want to do that at all anymore. And I, I think that I still might at some point in my life. It's not today. The reason I think that though, okay, listen, I know that we all kind of hate the like, I don't even own a TV person. Um, but I have kind of given up other things that I think like might make you think that I was someone who was prone to being 
smug and superior about the things that I don't do that maybe are very common. So I didn't own a television as an adult until the year 2020 and the pandemic started and I was like, I gotta, I think I gotta get a TV. Um, I'm at home a lot. I, I did watch TV shows. I would just watch them on an iPad or on a phone, but I didn't own an actual television set. Another thing I would put on that list, we have been a one car household for ages. I don't know how long, but two adults in this house, only one car. I have been mostly vegetarian since my mid twenties. I mean, I think fire is a great example. There were a good number of years where I lived on 50% of my income, which is not that common. I gave up spending the rest of my income. And I actually also, I don't drink caffeine. I gave up caffeine in my early thirties. And you honestly don't want to get me started talking about it because I am evangelical about it. I love not drinking caffeine. I feel so happy when I wake up in the morning, every morning. So, so with all of those things, it just felt like a natural progression that like, oh, I don't eat meat. I don't drink caffeine. Like not having alcohol feels like all the same reasons that I have for not having caffeine feel very similar to the reasons that people get for not drinking. I actually just had uh, friends over for dinner this weekend and we were having this conversation and my friend doesn't stop drinking about three years ago. And all of his reasons for not drinking are like my same reasons for not having caffeine. Like I just didn't like the way I felt. I, you know, felt like I was kind of using this drug every day. Like I just felt so much happier when I woke up in the morning. So I completely get it. Okay. I've been talking for a long time. I should actually mention the book that I just read that I wanted to talk about. It's called This Naked Mind. And I read it because um, if you listen to the podcast, Thicker Bread, one of the co-hosts of that podcast, Misha, who is a delight in so many ways, read This Naked Mind. She decided to stop drinking, I think about a month ago. And she said that this book was really great and with some caveats. And I thought, well, cool. I want to read a really great book about drinking (laughs) or not drinking, I guess is the topic of the book. And so I grabbed it on Audible and I started listening to it. And here's the thing. I am under no illusion. Like I totally understand. And I think we should all understand that drinking is not good for us. Like it's not a healthy thing to do. There was that one study a long time ago that said having one or two drinks every day is actually better for you than having zero. And that's pretty much been debunked. They didn't factor in that most of the, well, maybe not most, but some number of the non-drinkers in that study actually are either former alcoholics or recovering addicts who I probably said that wrong, who don't drink anymore or they have some other kind of illness or sickness that means that they're not drinking. Like like someone who has cancer is probably not drinking. So it didn't account for those folks. And if you take them out and kind of take take those folks out of the sample, then you just find a, a, a pretty linear relationship. Like the more you drink, the less healthy you are. There's no little J loop where like, oh, like none isn't great. One is good, but then anything above one is not great, which, you know, I think we all thought for a long time. At my doctor, I went in for my annual physical one year and I had written down, like, I usually have two drinks per night. And she said, which at the time was probably not true. I was probably getting closer to three, but she said, if you can cut back to one and a half, that's really, that's really what studies tell us is the best. So in any case, I read this book and I think probably the strongest part of the book is that the health effects of drinking, I do think a lot of people really don't understand what they are. Like you are literally drinking a poison and it is a drug. I say that all the time because there's been so much talk about the legalization 
possession of marijuana recently. And I have to confess to you, I have never, oh, this is another thing. This go on my list. I have never smoked pot in my life. It's not that I'm opposed to it. I just, I'm kind of a rule follower. And so I never did it in high school or college. And now I feel like I'm too old. Like I'd have to watch a YouTube video to learn how to do it or something. And, and sorry to, to bring my point back. I did have a point here, but I say all the time, like, I don't need to smoke pot because my drug of choice has been available in corner stores and restaurants my entire life. <laughs> like I don't need pot. I have Chardonnay. And I say that to acknowledge that alcohol is a drug. Like we talk about drugs and alcohol, and I don't know why we put alcohol in this other bucket. It's totally a drug. Like I'm fine with saying that I have a very mild drug habit and I take a little bit of drugs every night <laughs> when I'm at dinner or watching TV. And it, it, sound, it sounds like silly to say because it's just not how we think of it in our world. But I very much acknowledge that. And I think that that's a really good point. That I think that's a good point in general. And I think that the author does a good job in trying to make that point. I also think she does a good job in trying to make the point of like, this is literally a toxic poison that we drink for fun. So those are the things about this book that I enjoyed. However, there's a lot about this book that I didn't love. And listen, again, I like drinking. Like I like the ritual of it. I like the way it makes me feel. I like the way it tastes. And I'll say again, I think a lot of conversation around drinking is not totally honest. And folks will say, I drink because I like the taste of it, or I drink because I like the ritual of it, or I drink because it's a social thing. And all of those things can be true. But the thing that I hear less is I drink because I like the way it makes me feel. I think it's kind of hard to admit sometimes. Like I like being a little bit buzzed. I like that feeling when your brain gets just a little bit fuzzy, just a little bit. Again, I don't like to drink a lot. I do like to drink frequently. And so like, I think that a lot of times you hear, I like the taste. It makes food taste better because it feels a little bit risque to say, I like being buzzed, but I do. I will tell you. I also think a lot of conversations around drinking, around problematic drinking tend to veer towards like, oh, I drink because I don't want to feel my feelings or I drink because I'm not comfortable in social situations or I drink because it feels like there's pressure to. And I can honestly say that those are not, that's not the case for me. I really like feeling my feelings and you know, I, I, I don't feel like I need alcohol in, in social situations. And I don't know, maybe just like drinking for fun doesn't get the credit that it deserves. But in any case, back to this book, um, I think the author makes some great points. I think some of the things about this book that didn't ring true for me <laughs> were really the, the, the headline here, like the takeaway is that all drinking in the author's mind is just a step on a path to full-blown alcoholism and that every drink you take gets you closer to being someone who drinks a couple bottles of wine a night every night. And that you're, if you're drinking at all, no matter how infrequently, no matter what amounts, you are marching along that path just more quickly or, or more slowly maybe than others. And if you like drinking, you're probably already addicted. And I don't know if I think that that's true. And I think that there were a few things specifically in this book that just really had me shaking my head and in, and in my mind kind of undermined some of the, the good points that the author made. One point she made a few times was that people don't drink less as they get older. You only drink more. And I, I, I made some notes. I think this is a word for word quote, but I hope you'll forgive me if I got a word or two wrong here and there. She said, you and the drinkers you know will be drinking more in five years than you are today. That's how alcohol works. And I don't know about too many other 
people, but that is for sure, like for sure not true for me. And she she does say that if you take college out, so take your college years out from there, you you will only drink more kind of as the years go by, you will drink more and more and more. And it's just definitely not true for me. When I was in my 20s, I mean, it was not unusual for me to have a bottle of wine to myself on a casual weeknight evening. And today, <laughs> I would die. Like I said, I shared at the top of the episode, I typically have two drinks per night, occasionally three, one, or zero. And more than three would, I mean, even three usually gives me a headache. And it's not even a headache the next morning. Like that night, I'm just like, I don't even want to drink more. Sometimes halfway through a second glass, I just give up and I go put it in the fridge for next day because just, I don't want to have that much. And it affects me differently as I get older. And so I'm definitely drinking less. I don't know about anyone else. Another point that she made was that kind of everyone's lying if you say that you drink because you like the taste. And we know that because everyone didn't enjoy their first drink of alcohol, right? I actually did. I can't, I think I think I had a pear cider, if I recall correctly, was like my very first drink. And I thought it was pretty good. Like I drank it down and I liked it. I mean, I was 20, so I wasn't a kid. I don't know if that made a difference. I also would say today that I enjoy the taste of non-alcoholic beer. Um, and her point again is like no one likes their first taste and you just kind of grow to tolerate it because you like the way alcohol feels. But I don't know if that's true. I mean, when I was a kid, I didn't like Brussels sprouts. I didn't like spicy food and I've grown to enjoy those things. I don't think the author said this, but I've heard someone else make the point that like, would you drink whiskey if it didn't make you drunk? And I remember thinking, uh, probably not. And I don't know if that's because the idea of non-alcoholic whiskey, I just imagine that it would taste gross or if I wouldn't want it, if I knew I wasn't going to get buzz from it. I don't know. I enjoy, um, I, I drink a lot of wine, but I also enjoy, I like gin and I like whiskey. Usually just on the rocks, plain. Those are the things that I like. I also like fancy beers, but I don't have those as much as I used to. Okay. Another point the author made that I just, again, wanted to ask her to stick to the points that I, that I thought were stronger was that people have a really strong reaction when you stop, stop drinking alcohol because it, it, it sort of points a, a spotlight on their own addiction to alcohol. And she says, when I told people I stopped eating eggs, they didn't start explaining why they eat eggs and that it wasn't a big deal. Like, oh, and the author became allergic to eggs after becoming pregnant and then had to stop eating eggs. And of course she said, you know, the way people react when you say you don't drink versus the way people react when you say that you don't eat eggs is very different. I will say as someone who doesn't eat very much meat, I would consider, I occasionally eat meat, but for all intents and purposes, I'm a vegetarian. People react when you tell them you don't eat eggs. Like people, I mean, I do eat eggs, but people react when you say you don't eat meat and they have questions and they talk about, well, I, you know, I need the protein or I, I try to buy ethical meat or whatever. And like, it's, you know, it's fine. I, I don't, I don't think it's a good point to say that people react differently to alcohol than if you just told them you didn't eat pineapples or eggs or whatever, because I, that, that hasn't been my experience as someone who talks about not eating meat. Okay. Another point that the author made that I just felt a little curious about was she said, okay, this is an exact quote, but uh, I don't know anybody who has drank so many sodas they puked, but how many people do you know who have drank enough to throw up? Even the most moderate drinkers occasionally take it too far and throwing up is awful. And then in another part of the book, she said, you can't tell me that moderate drinkers don't puke on occasion. And I have brought this up so many times this week to people. I'm like, wait, I just read this book where the author said that um, moderate drinkers puke on occasion. And 
all of my, you know, adult elder millennial friends were like, what? I haven't thrown up either since college or like since my twenties. Now I did post this on Instagram and several people were like, no, I think I have some, I have some kind of thing. Like, I just feel like I'm going to throw up if I have one or two drinks, which I think is different, but I don't know. Again, this didn't ring true for me. I, uh, also on the list of things that I do not do. I do not throw up from drinking. I never have in my life. I think at this point I, I missed that window. I'm probably never going to throw up from drinking if I haven't already. And yeah, I, again, it just didn't, it, it felt a little outlandish to me and it felt like it undermined her, her much better points. Another point that again, just kind of didn't ring true for me was she kept comparing drinking alcohol to cocaine. She was like way more people die from alcohol than die from cocaine, but like alcohol is legal and cocaine isn't, or like way more people have these bad, like way more, just higher numbers of people have adverse effects from alcohol than cocaine, but we think of alcohol as fine and cocaine is not fine. And I just wanted to be like, yeah, but a lot more people drink alcohol than use cocaine. Like, sure. I'm totally making up numbers here, but if you say, you know, a hundred thousand people die every month or year from alcohol and only 20,000 people die from cocaine, I'm like, right. But like probably a lot more people use alcohol than cocaine. I don't think that means, I don't think that implies the conclusion that you wanted to. We don't, think that cocaine is safer than alcohol. That was one that made me laugh. There was another part in the book where she said heavy drinkers can spend about $400,000 on alcohol through their lives, which would be like $15 a day, I think for 70 years, which I mean, possible. But again, it was just such an extreme example that I just wanted to be like, just just stick to the fact that it's a poison and a drug. Like that's totally good. You don't, you don't have to go down all these other avenues that don't, don't totally make sense. Um, I also think that this author conflates the idea that you can have fun without alcohol with alcohol doesn't make anything more fun. And I'll read you another quote. Drinking ensures events become unmemorable and monotonous. After all, drunkenness feels the same no matter what you're doing. You dumb down every experience. Instead of making sharp, crisp, lifelong memories, you recall social occasions through a haze or not at all. Um, She also had another another part in the book too, where she talked about seeing a group of coworkers out for happy hour after work. And she said what she saw is a smart, healthy group of people unwittingly sinking into a deadly pit. And I have sympathy. It, the, the author's personal story sounds really challenging. She was someone who drank, but then she became someone who drank more heavily in part to sort of quote, keep up with coworkers and ended up with a, a pretty serious drinking problem and has since recovered from it. And I think her experience is completely valid and her opinions are completely valid. But this broad brushstrokes of like drinking ensures events become unmemorable and monotonous. You know, I know that that's, not the case. I'm thinking of there's a concert venue I like. And I went one time, the two of us went to a concert and ended up just for whatever reason, we decided not to drink that night. Like, oh, we don't need to drink to have fun at a concert. And you absolutely do not have to drink to have fun at a concert. I will say being around a bunch of other drunk people at a concert was definitely less fun as a sober person. And I usually have a few drinks at concerts. I would say that that usually breaks my like two drink night rule. Like if I'm going to a concert, I might have three or for over a long evening, right? Like one at tailgating, one during the opening act, two maybe during the actual show. So kind of probably spread out over a longer time. And it's fun. Like being a little bit buzzed and dancing and singing along to a band that you like is fun. I wouldn't say that those concerts where I've had three or four drinks are unmemorable or monotonous. You know, I have sharp, crisp, lifelong memories of those concerts. And to put it in language that's just so broad and absolute like I said, it feels like it really undermines the primary point. I think if you are thinking about not drinking, 
this would be a good book to read because if you're looking for someone to talk you into that choice, this is absolutely the right book. And I think if you want to not drink, that is great. Like I think it would be the best choice for everyone to not drink. Reading this book was interesting because I just finished a book called How Not to Die by Michael Greger. And it's a similar book where instead of kind of on every page telling you that alcohol is slowly killing you and anyone else who ever takes a sip, it's a slightly more measured take on how animal products uh, are probably killing you, that eating cheese is going to give you cancer and eating chicken is going to give you cancer and eating beef is going to give you heart disease and processed food is is going to have this result in your body. And so he he's advocating for um, eating a whole foods plant-based diet. And so these, these two books that I recently read are, are, are kind of similar in that way. But one big difference is that this book about drinking, it's like every sip you take is just one step on the march to death. <laughs> and the How Not to Die book by Michael Greger takes the stance of like, hey, all this food is really bad for you. So try not to eat it very often and try not to eat too much of it when you do. Now, this is a podcast that's mostly about money. So I will leave you with one of the thought experiments from the book that I actually thought was incredibly effective. And she said, if you, would you stop drinking for $200,000? And I have to tell you, my immediate reaction was like, no, that's not that much money, <laughs> which it is. It's so much money. But when you are a person who's thinking about retirement and uh, financial independence and retiring early, like in the grand scheme of things, I was like, well, I'm, like, I don't know. <laughs> and then she said, what about $500,000? And then I was like, okay, yeah, probably. Or, uh, she, this author would surely argue that that means I'm um, an alcoholic. And again, on that, on that slow march towards death. But I think I would hesitate for any amount of money and any, like if someone said, would you stop eating grapes? Grapes are my absolute favorite fruit for $200,000. I would hesitate in the same way. Not because I love grapes so much. I do really enjoy grapes. I think a perfectly crisp grape is like, but because I don't want to have to spend the rest of my life thinking about how I can't have grapes, right? So my parting question for you, how much money would someone have to pay you to stop drinking? And if you're already a non-drinker, how much money would someone Someone have to pay you to stop eating your absolute favorite fruit. My price is pretty high. You can tell me your number or your thoughts on any of this. Uh, you know where to find me. And thanks for listening. Cheers. If you enjoyed today's episode, you have a couple options. You could just enjoy that satisfaction quietly and privately. Keep it to yourself. But and just an idea. You could also share this with someone else who you think would like it. Just a thought. You do you. <laughs>